This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Sports Radio, where your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, educate you on anything and everything related to our Second Amendment right. Visit GunSportsRadio.com with your questions and comments, and to learn how to become a guest or sponsor of the show. Now here comes Hour 2 of Gun Sports Radio, and your hosts, Dave, Joe, and Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Sports Radio. Yep, we're going down the road for another hour. This is FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. And this hour is brought to you by our good friends at Cali Key. Drop in a Cali Key into any AR-15 or AR-10 to instantly make it California compliant. For more information, check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone. And unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. So while you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does U.S. Law Shield. What's your plan after you defend yourself or your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. All right, this segment's brought to you by San Diego County Gun Owners. Go to www.sdcgo.org. You can join up for $10. You can also come to the, come to the gun prom. It's going to be a blast. Talk to Joe Jerisi. He's our covert blogger, and he is going to talk to you about a concealed carry book list. How you doing, bud? Ah, doing great today. So um, this is the ninth article on the Concealed Carry Lifestyle series. Um, several months ago, we decided to every couple of weeks um, write an article that's aimed at all the new people, all the new folks that uh, have their concealed carry permits. And uh, I noticed the sheriffs have started um, updating their website again with oh, that. Good. So uh, I think this morning I saw we have 4,167 permits now. Nice. Oh. So things are picking back up after the COVID delay there. So uh, 4167. So that's, that's a good amazing. thing. So with that in mind, um, I came up with a book list here because I, I read a ton of stuff. And, um, you know, with the whole concealed carry thing, and I think we've said this before, the firearm or the gun is probably the easy part. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that you mm-hmm. need to learn if you want to do this, you know, safely and uh, responsibly, I guess. So uh, I offer five books, and um, I'll try to go through them quickly here so we see them. If I don't make it, please look at the article on the San Diego County Gun Owners um, website. Slash blog. <laughs> so the first one here, and uh, you should be able to see it. You start um, at the bottom? I will, because it's the biggest book. If I just started to put this on top, I'd have had a problem here. So I'm starting with this one. Um, should be able to see this cover here. It's the Concealed Carry Class by Tom Givens. And um, Givens, we've had Givens on the show before, and uh, Givens is one of the legends, I guess, in the firearms community. This is a great book for anybody that's new to uh, concealed carry. This is a soup-to-nuts book. Givens touches on everything from the very beginning, the philosophy, mindset. He talks about firearms, holsters, training, um, all sorts of things. This is just a great book. It's uh, really well-written. It's easy to read. Uh, there's lots of pictures for the younger people that don't like to read a lot. Um, so it's a really good book to take a look at. So it's the concealed carry class. And, uh, again, I've linked to all these in the article. So take a look at the article. You'll see all of this stuff. So that's the first one that I would start with. Um, What'd you you learn from that one? What's like one quick 
thing you learned from there? What's what, what, what that I up? needed? That I needed to get Tom Givens on the show to ask him about uh, his stuff and his training and things yeah. like that. Um, well, and then, we I did. Mean, I took a look at this where um, this confirmed a lot of stuff that I'd already discovered for me. So I was I was pretty far into it, and again, I I get farther into it probably than most people. Um, but the things he talks about holsters, different ways to carry, different things like that, different considerations. Um, how to draw from different kinds of holsters, the pros and the cons and that, you know, that kind of stuff. Cause a lot of times what you gain in concealment, you give up in speed of draw and ease of draw and things like that. Yeah. If you're getting a little bit older, you're not quite as flexible. It's a little bit harder to get your arm all the way back and your shoulder all the way back quickly, you know, for that style of carry. So it was things like that in there, but, but he hits everything in there. It's a really a uh, great book. Nice. Um, the next one I have, it's called uh, What You Don't Know Can Kill You, and that's by Mark uh, McYoung and Jenna Meek. And uh, McYoung is a really interesting character, someone else I'd like to get on here uh, to talk to. He's not your typical um, uh, self-defense or firearms trainer. He's got an interesting background. He's he's not a Navy SEAL. He's not ex-law enforcement. Um, but what he talks about in here is a big part of... Um, you know, what we do as concealed carriers is trying to avoid situations where you have to do something like that to defend yourself, where you have to use deadly force. And a lot of that has to do with being aware of your surroundings, understanding um, how criminals behave, how they select victims, how they do different things, what to watch out for. He talks about uh, social violence versus asocial violence. And it's important to be able to recognize those things and understand the difference because, you know, people, people live in tribes. Tribes have rules. Um, you could inadvertently stumble into a different tribe or a place where the rules are different. If you violate a rule, you bring violence and things down on yourself. And you could do that without even knowing it. So um, McYoung talks about a lot of those kinds of things, how to avoid that kind of stuff. Um, really interesting book. So another one I would recommend. So let's see. Uh, I wanted to get to this one, too, So before I run out of time here anyway. This one, uh, From Lubies to the Legislature by Susanna Hupp. And um, mm. I've written about this one before. I linked to the article also in this new article. This one's a little bit different. Um, this is about a, a real-life event that happened to her in Texas in 1991. Um, it was the Lubies cafeteria shooting. And um, Hupp was in there um, basically having lunch with her parents. And a guy drove his pickup truck through the front window of the place stopped the truck, got out, and started shooting people. Uh, 21 people, including her parents, um, were killed. The reason I think this is important for us as concealed carriers is that at the time, Hupp had a handgun, and she'd learned how to use it, and she was carrying it. But back then, Texas did not have concealed carry laws. So technically, she was violating the law, and she was a chiropractor at the time, and she was afraid to you know, take the gun in the restaurant with her because she, if she got caught, she might lose her license. So she left it in the car. Mm. She was probably 15 feet away from this shooter as uh, she watched him you know, shoot her dad. And she could have stopped him. She could have stopped all of that. And she thought, and then she realized she didn't have the gun with her. And the reason I add this to the list right now is the idea that if you accept this uh, responsibility to become a concealed carrier, carry all the time. Don't, you know, don't play this game where I'm just going to the 7-Eleven. I'm just running out for gas. I'm just going to Home Depot. I don't feel like putting the thing on. I'm not going to carry. I'm you just know, having lunch with my parents. Exactly. It's the middle of the day. It was like uh, 1130 in the morning and at a very busy restaurant. And, um, you know, you just have no idea. We live in a, in a 
pretty, a, a very safe country for the most part. But violence happens every day. Somebody's going through it right now while we're talking here. And um, you don't know where or when. If you knew where or when, you wouldn't go there. So the point that uh, this book makes really well is, is carry. If you're going to do this stuff, carry. Carry all the time. But it's a great book. Um, again, highly recommend taking a look at this. Well, it does drive me nuts. People will say, you know, I'll talk about CCWs and people will say, yeah, I live in a pretty safe neighborhood. I work in a pretty safe neighborhood. And I'll point out, all right, well, find me a mass shooting that happened in a bad neighborhood. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, they don't happen in bad neighborhoods. Well, I mean, again, the, the shootings happen in bad neighborhoods, but not those kind. You know, right. the, the mass shooting, I mean, you know, you got Las Vegas on the Strip and you have La Jolla here in town and then San Bernardino was at a Christmas party. Mm. You know. Exactly. You know, and, and people say, well, you know, I'm carrying because I'm going to this part of town or that part of town. Well, if, if you think it's dangerous, don't go. Yeah. You know, don't just carry and say that'll be okay. What's the next book? So, um, You've got about two minutes. That's okay. I can get through uh, at least one of these. Um, the next one here is Deadly Force, Understanding Your Right to Self-Defense. This is one of Masad Ayub's books, and we've had Masad Ayub on the show, too, a couple of times. Just another one of the legends in the firearms world. Um, this book looks at the legal aspects of it, when it's okay, when it's correct to use deadly force, when you can't use deadly force, um, what can happen afterwards or what will happen afterwards and the aftermath and all that stuff. Again, a really great book. And then um, the last one here is Deadly Force Encounters um, by Art Wall and, and Christensen. And again, this is a collection of incidents that happen to real people. And the authors interview these people. Some of them are law enforcement. Some are just armed citizens. But they go through everything that led up to the incident, what these people experienced during the incident, the aftermath stuff, the psychological issues, the issues that come up with family and friends, the legal stuff. Again, very interesting book to take a look at. So, Where do you get them? Of these five, um, I get all these guys off of Amazon. I link to them in the article, the link to the book. So if you go to sdcgo.org backslash blog, blog, you'll see my article. If you read through the article, there's a link uh, for each of these books in the article. But, very um, interesting. Very good stuff, though. It's uh, like I said, you should always be learning this stuff anyway. And uh, the gun stuff is easy. This kind of stuff is a little bit harder to pick yeah. up. Well, it, but it's good to know, and, and especially that last one, you know, scenarios that people have gotten themselves into and how they got out. And it would be good. Well, remember, you win every fight you avoid. That's the that's, key to this. That's the key. That's absolutely. what you want to do. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, guess who we got? Joe Germisi. One more time. The boy just can't go away, and he's going to talk about the Ruger GP 100 match champion 357 mag revolver. You won't want to miss it. Right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Stay cocked. There's more Gun Sports Radio with Dave, Joe, and Michael to come on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. You're listening to Gun Sports Radio on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. California assault weapon law makes it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. It'll convert any mil-spec direct impingement AR pattern rifle into a straight pull bolt action rifle so it can have all the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling. 
no aesthetic modifications, and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact and a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. The segment is sponsored by the good folks at U.S. Law Shield, uslawshield.com. And if you own any firearm, talk to the good folks at U.S. Law Shield about what happens after the bang. All right, Mr. Jamisi, this is not a blog. This is a review. Okay, so we're back. So uh, what we've been trying to do the last what, month or two is to add a gear review segment to the show. And um, we've been doing that. We've been reviewing different pieces of gear. Today, it's a firearm, actually. And uh, we'll see if we can convince Michael about uh, about revolvers. Yeah, getting a revolver. Um, what I've got here today is a, a Ruger GP100 Match Champion. And um, you can see we've looked through the cylinder. So the cylinder's flipped out here. It's completely empty. Um, and we'll practice good uh, muzzle control here anyway. I've got Dave over here. I've got Mike behind me. And I'll be trying to swing this thing around so I don't actually muzzle anybody with it. Um, beautiful handgun. Uh, we were talking about revolvers a little bit earlier. And um, this is my first revolver that I bought. And I, I got this probably, uh, it's got to be a year maybe ago now. Um, and the way I came across this, I was um, instructing at a Women on Target event. And one of the women that I was working with wanted to try a revolver, and I didn't have one. And the guy next to me had one. And he said, yeah, here, you can use mine. And he handed me this uh, Ruger GP100 Match Champion. And um, I shot this thing, and I thought, my gosh, I have to have one of these things. This is just tremendous. And that was the first time I'd shot one. <laughs> now, and what what made you say that? shooting that back it was just uh, well, what was it that just oh my god it was at the trigger pull was it the accuracy was it the lack it of was recoil? the whole thing because i i think at that time i'd never shot a revolver and sounds like somebody else we know and it was so much different and when he handed it to me i said okay i, I gotta shoot this a couple of times before i have the student shoot it um but um when i just shot this thing it was so nice if you feel this thing you put it in your hand and you know it's it's double action single action so if what does that mean? It, so double action means that I could start squeezing the trigger now, and you see the hammer coming back, right. comes back, comes back, comes back, comes back, then it goes. That's double action. Single action, I can cock it back like that, and if you notice, I just touched the trigger a little bit, and it fires. Gotcha. So the difference here in trigger pull, I measured this with my gauge, and on this particular gun, at least from what I measured today, um, in single action, it's a three-pound trigger pull, Double action, it was 10.1, so it's a lot a wow. lot stronger. I didn't but, realize it was that big a difference. Wow. I didn't either. Yeah, I was surprised it was actually at 10. Some people were saying it's going to be 11 or 12. Um, my gauge only goes up to 12, so fortunately even it was 10. 10. Is, is pretty um, much. Well, what's nice about it, and I think Jason, or some, Jason mentioned it a little bit earlier, and one of the old guys at the club was telling me, uh, one of the old revolver guys, if you get um, good at this, shooting it in double action like that, if you get good in that discipline and pulling that trigger back slowly and not moving the thing around, mm -hmm. um, your um, shooting will improve when you shoot the semi-autos again. Because the semi-autos, like my Glocks, for instance, the uh, trigger pull on it's about four and a half pounds, I think, is standard or factory for the Glocks. Mm -hmm. So if you get good enough to you know, be able to consistently pull that thing back, keep the gun on target, let it break, if you do that well on these, uh, your shooting will improve on the... Yeah. Uh, semi-autos but the gun itself is just beautiful it's got it um, really is. And this came um this is exactly how it came um you know from the factory when i ordered it or when i bought it uh it's got hogue wooden grips on it. these are uh, hardwood grips which are really nice the one that i shot the guy had switched the grips out and it was a polished really nice 
Uh, just beautiful, uh, smooth wood grip. This one's a little bit different, but I, I like this one. Uh, Novak sights. Um, it's got the uh, fiber optic in the front, which in this particular sight, the uh, if you look at the fire optic, if you hold it up and put it on target, it's bigger. Like it's bigger than the sights that I have on my Glocks and some of my other ones on my 1911. Uh, it really jumps right out at you. So mm -hmm. it's a really um, it's a really easy sight to pick up. Uh, fixed sight in the back. The um, again, it's a 357 Magnum, um, and this one will shoot 37 specials or 38 special as well. So uh, which is nice because the 38 specials are a lot cheaper. Uh, the recoil is less. So if you do a lot of shooting with it or a lot of practicing, you could practice with the 38 specials, um, and then you could bump up to the 357. With me, um, I don't notice so much of a difference um, in in terms of felt recoil between the 357 and the uh, 38 special. Both of them feel really nice uh, for me on here. Um, probably Michael wouldn't feel too much of a difference here. Uh, a more petite guy like Dave or something might feel more of a difference, but. Um, but what I see, I see a noticeably bigger flash and bang <laughs> with it. Uh, with the 357, yeah. But, um, but the recoil for me, I don't feel so much. Um, it's a really well-made gun. It's solid. And this one's the match champion. The uh, GP100 is another real popular uh, Ruger version. The match champion, for another couple of hundred bucks, they go in and they do some trigger work. They smooth things out so they make it a little bit nicer. But uh, if you look at this, one of the things revolver people look at is the cylinder. And you can see if I try to move this cylinder around like this one, it's latched in there. It doesn't move at all. It's really solid. And with Ruger on this gun, they latch it in three different places. So it locks in there um, really well, which makes the gun work a little bit better. And um, it's just a great uh, overall gun. So, what kind of price point? Um, these, the MSRP on this thing is uh, 926 I think, from Ruger. You could probably find it for a couple hundred dollars less if you shop around a bit. Um, but again, it's uh, like I said, it's it's a beautiful gun. It's uh, you shoot it and you'll want one. <laughs> it's just how it is. It's not bad. Eight hundred dollar gun. Do you have that? Is that on your CCW? Uh, it is actually, and um, the re and I didn't bring. I should have brought the holster with it. Uh, the idea, um, what I wanted to do was uh, I do a lot of hiking and things like that up in the mountains, and I thought, well, that's that's an excuse to carry this. Yeah. And uh, it was also an excuse to to carry my simply rugged leather holster that I got for it. <laughs> nice. So, um, so yeah, I did add this to my CCW and actually it conceals pretty well. It just depends on the cover garment you're using. Um, you know, if you get a decent holster, it pulls it in pretty close to you. And, uh, this one, this rides a little bit higher on the belt. So it conceals really well, but it's, um, it's just a great gun. And, uh, you know, everybody should have a revolver. If you're a gun guy or a gun girl, I mean, you just, you just should have one. Mm. It's, uh, you know, and like I said, I like the history, uh, you know, I'm kind of a watch guy and I just like the, I like the mechanics. Being an engineer, I like I like just the mechanics of the way the uh, revolvers feel. But they're uh, they're just a lot of fun to shoot. And you know, we're always shooting semi-autos. I think it looks good. And too. Uh, it's a beautiful gun. This one's you know in stainless. This one is uh, on the roster in California, so you can get this. I noticed um, a Ruger um, Match Champion with wooden grips, and I'm not sure what they were referring to, but dropped off of the roster like a month or so ago. Hmm. And uh, but this one apparently is still there. So. Um, but it's like I said, it's a beautiful gun. Um, what else I want to say about it? The uh, this one's the four point two inch barrel, and that's typically what it comes with. And um, again, I think Jason was talking about a six inch barrel. You'll see some of those. Um, the shorter snub nose barrels, I, I think, get a little bit harder to shoot, and there's a lot there's less mass on them, so you're going to feel the recoil a little bit more. But this seems to be perfect. I mean, four point two inches. 
it doesn't look too long. It's not too bulky in the holster or anything like that. It, it shoots just one. I mean, I shoot the thing well. And so somebody that really knows something can mm. do, uh, can have a lot of fun with these. Interesting. It does look, it, it looks balanced with that. It doesn't look too short. It doesn't look too long. It is. And again, like I said, if you hold it and you can feel it, it's kind of a tank. I mean, it's, it's got some weight to it when you feel it, but it, I mean, it just feels nice. Mm. And, and I think that's, um, part of the reason the, the recoil, at least for me is not, not a big deal. It feels really, uh, it just feel, feels really good. It mm -hmm. shoots well. Um, pretty easy to clean. That's the best part. So, um, yeah. That's so, awesome. anyway. Holds so six? It does. It holds six rounds here. And um, I don't use a speed loader or anything with it because, again, I don't I don't compete with these. Um, but uh, you can get speed loaders for them. I actually like to load the thing. It's just, it's fun. It's What's relaxing. What's a speed loader? Uh, speed loader is a little uh, grip that you load, you load six rounds into. So, what happens is you'll shoot this thing. You pop it up hit the eject, uh, uh, the cases will come flying out. The speed loader, you just grab it, stick it in and twist, and now you're loaded again. Gotcha. As opposed to having to feed one at a time. Gotcha. Here. So people that compete with these will use speed loaders. Right, or I guess especially if you're in a time that. time situation. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and you can get that here in San Diego at any of the you, gun stores? Yes, you can. And, you know, if the shop doesn't have it, I'm sure they can order it for you. You can get these online. You can get them at the local shops. I like to try to support the locals um, when I can. This particular one I think I did get from Grab-A-Gun online. Um, but I think all of my other guns I bought locally in the right. shops here. So, Yeah, I I agree. I like, you know, and plus, too, if you've never owned one of those before, it's nice to talk to somebody and, you know, even hopefully buy it, say, from a, a range like Gun Range San Diego so that you can take it in and, and actually shoot it yourself. Because I know you say the minute you shoot it, you got to have it, but that there was, might be somebody out there that doesn't like it after they bought it. Well, that was me, though. I mean, I buy houses and cars that way, so you can't go by me. <laughs> yeah, but, don't go uh, by him. I'm telling <laughs> you. Well, because you just, yeah, because you just never know. But it is a, it is an absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful gun. And then, what, it's only a year old? Uh, yeah, about a year so old. Take good, good care of it. And um, yeah, like I said, and for me, when I shot it that first time, I mean, I was just so impressed. How with many that. rounds have you put through it? Um, I don't know because I don't track these because I don't reload the three fifty sevens and the uh, and the thirty eights. So I probably got I don't know a thousand rounds through it or something go. like Looks that. Looks like brand new. All right, we're gonna go ahead and take a quick break. We come back. We got a whole lot more for you right here on Gun Sports Radio FM ninety six one AM eleven seventy. The answer. to Gun Sports Radio, educating you on your Second Amendment rights. Now, here are your hosts of Gun Sports Radio, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, thousands of pandemic panic buyers just found out what San Diego shooters already knew. A.L. Sport Firearms in El Cajon has the widest selection of guns in the county. A.O. Sword has hundreds of different new and used guns in stock and everything you could want for an AR-15. Whether you're looking for the latest competition rifle, combat pistol, or collectible cowboy iron, you'll find it all at A.O. Sword. They, are also, they also have a professional gunsmith with a full machine shop. They can clean, repair, upgrade, or even customize your gun, including Cerakote. A.O. Sword Firearm is at 929 East Main Street, just off Mollison in El Cajon. Best of all, they are friendly, informed, and actively supporting your rights. See for yourself with their legal and technical updates on Facebook. Check out AOSword.com 
or give them a call, 619-749-4867. By the way, David Chong uh, is super busy today, was not able to call in, so it'll be open mic. I know he's working hard. He's always working hard. And open mic does not mean it's all Michael Schwartz. <laughs> so dead air doesn't work. So, no, dead air. So we'll have to open this mic up with something. Let's open that bad boy up. So uh, what we were talking about a little bit earlier is, uh, well, Dave sent this um, little news thing on uh, what went on in Coeur d'Alene a couple of weeks ago. Coeur d'Alene. Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. And um, with the, you know, with everything that's been going on in the country the last couple of weeks or last month or so, and it was bad enough with the COVID stuff and then everything else started happening. But um, in Coeur d'Alene, you know, we, we experienced some rioting and stuff like that down here. Um, and the people in Coeur d'Alene got word that I guess these people were coming from Spokane um, to do the same kind of stuff to demonstrate slash riot there in their town. And what was interesting is the people in Coeur d'Alene uh, armed up. Um, Idaho is, is an open carry state and apparently, and we saw something similar down here, not so much with the firearms, but when the rumors, um, were when they were having the rioting in La Mesa and stuff like that around San Diego, uh, they were coming to Santee and they did come to Santee and they were coming to Lakeside and a lot of the locals did the same kind of thing, except without the firearms or at least without the openly carried firearms. But what was interesting in Coeur d'Alene is, um, you know, up there you saw hundreds of people um, openly carrying ARs, lots of ARs and other things. And uh, it really did, um, you know, the Antifa people and some other people really did come to Coeur d'Alene. They did not get out of their vans. They did not. And uh, the um, some of the people in the community got word that the uh, Antifa people were going to stage at a certain location. Mm -hmm. They went and staged with them. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting because that, they were able to calm all that down and no shots were yep. fired. And the idea that because they had the open carry there, that was able to be used as more of an intimidation kind of thing. It diffused and, the situation. I actually well, seen yeah, nobody post, had to shoot anything. And there were little, and these were business owners, shop owners. And I've been to Coeur d'Alene and it's absolutely a beautiful, beautiful community. And there were little old ladies and men in suits and, and then there was the guys that, you know, looked like they'd been hunting all day and they just all stood around and smiled. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that went well and it worked well up there. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really happy that it turned out the way Me it too. did. But the bigger, you know, the bigger question is, is why? I mean, why, why do citizens have to do this? Where are our leaders that should be stopping this kind of stuff? Um, you know, where are they? Why are they not getting involved in this? Why are the police not involved in this kind of stuff? Why does it have to be up to citizens? Because sooner or later, I mean, it was great that they did that in Coeur d'Alene, but eventually people are going to bring guns, you know, from the other side. Somebody's going to shoot something and it's going to get out of hand. And you know what they'll do. They'll come after the, the authorities will come after the legally armed citizens. That's who's going to be blamed. They'll be called vigilantes mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And I'm just, I'm curious as to where, where are the leaders here and, you know, like I just heard, uh, like they uh, they just passed a resolution out here in California to rename the John Wayne Airport. Oh yeah. Oh, so apparently John Wayne is now uh, has offended somebody. He's a racist. But I mean, where you know, I I, I mean, I have to just add, where are the Republicans? Where are the people that are supposed to come up and say something about this? And uh, I'm not hearing anything. And I'm, maybe I'm just not looking at the right in the right spots or uh, reading the right news feeds or something like that. But 
I'm not seeing it. And you know, if, if this is going to continue and you're going to leave it up to citizens to stand up, I mean, if they're going to be destroying statues and destroying mm -hmm. property and eventually citizens feel like they have to stand up to protect their communities. I mean, that that's not going to end well. Well, it looks to me like if do you do what Coeur d'Alene did totally peaceful, it's going to stop Antifa and those people because they prey on people that are not prepared. They prey on people that are not armed. They prey on people that are weak. And when they see that somebody may stand up to them, I, they just don't have a backbone and they're going to back back down or not even do it at all. Yeah. And you wouldn't, I mean, you would think, like I said, it's, I, I, I'm glad it turned out the way it turned out, So do I. but I mean, that came, you know, that could have easily gone really badly the other way. Now the hell's and, angels and the Mongols. <laughs> now when they go up against Antifa, there's going to be shots fired because that's just the, what those guys do. Well, I guess my fear is that the, the law abiding citizens will be the ones that are blamed, sure. even though they, you know, it's not, it's not their fault. They didn't start it. They didn't bring that violence yet. They'll right. be blamed for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, it's why we're not, I'm not a fan and our organization does not participate in, you know, rallies and demonstrations right. and marches because nobody, first off, nobody cares about a peaceful march. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about a peaceful mm -hmm. demonstration. I mean, you know, nope. I hate to break it to you, but nobody cares nope. about a peaceful demonstration. Mm -mm. Um, therefore, what happens to demonstrations? Well, if nobody cares, they get frustrated, mad, angry, and they turn into not peaceful demonstrations. And that's when people start to care. Uh, but as soon as that happens, you know, I, I, I'm not OK with terrorism. Oh, and and when you're am I. and when you're uh, threatening uh, violence against people unless they do what they tell you to do, I and mean, that's the very definition of, of a terrorist, someone that's causing terror, and uh, you know it's not okay. So the whole situation, you know, is is a big mess, and there there really hasn't been any leadership on the other side. Huh. And when I look at the, the different groups, I, I kind of I'm, I'm like, gee, I don't really associate, you know, or, or affiliate or I can't relate to any of the groups on any of the same. There's five or ten different sides or whatever. I don't see myself in any of these. But what I do see are myself and my neighbors going, well, OK, let's, uh, you know, batten down the hatches and wait for this the whole thing to, to pass over. But there's been no no leadership on the other side of, of this issue. There's been no um, leadership. Uh, there's been no lawful leadership. You know what I mean? Like people that say, Hey, let's, let's do something, um, uh, to, uh, to, to stop these, these violent, um, uh, no, they're just letting it go. Just and then, let they it happen. Get, then they get themselves in a situation like Washington, Seattle. Now people are getting shot and the mayor now doesn't know what to do because she's allowed this to, you know, continue on. Now, they're having a real problem to get it to, to cease. And I think one of the solutions, it'll never happen, but one of the solutions would be if everybody would stop filming it on their phone and if the media would stop going and putting it on air. Because when they're not on TV, what's the point? Well, I, you know, the the whole issue of, of uh, you know, what's going on with, with – uh, well, specifically George Floyd in, mm -hmm. in uh, Minnesota, the entire nation was was uh, behind 
you know, doing something to improve the situation. Right. The whole nation looked at that video and said, oh, my gosh, okay, something has to change. Yeah. But then, what, a day, two days later, right. they wake up, they see the news, and right. they see a city burning down, and you are done. You right. no longer, I don't relate to you, no one is on your side, it doesn't matter what you say. And our, politi- and our politicians can't agree on anything. But what could the complaint possibly, I mean, what more could they have done? When, the, when this cop did what he did, the four of them were fired immediately almost, they were they were uh, charged. Um, they're in jail. And he was put in jail. Yeah, and, and the the local agencies investigating, the states investigating, the feds are investigating. They did everything they could possibly do, and they did it fast. There was no covering up. There was mm-hmm. no hesitation. Well, he, the Trump himself came out and said, "Hey, we're going to look into this, and it's tragic." And I mean, when the president of the United States stops to look at a local issue like that. Uh, you know, you know, it's getting attention, sure. but it's kind of, you know, this whole thing is, and I think the reason it's, it's not going to be nearly as, I mean, we're seeing some, you know, they're changing syrup bottles and pancake pictures right. and whatever. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, I, I think, it, I, I think it's time to do that. Mm. I, I can't believe that Aunt Jemima is still out there to be honest with you. I totally, yeah, look, that's, you know, you, you have a, a I, I, they should have changed a long time ago. I'm glad they're making the decision to do that. But that's not effective change. Nobody, you know, that's not, not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. But the reason that nothing uh, truly, uh, you know, lasting mm-hmm. is going to happen is because they don't have a, what, what are we changing? What policy are we changing? Well, we got to stop racism. Okay, okay. That sounds like the war on terrorism or right. the war on poverty. I mean, you know, there's no defined uh, uh, thing. Like, well, how do we know? When do we measure that, ter- that, that racism has stopped? And when does it end? And when does it end? What are we? I mean, for? I heard What's a the statement goal? the other day about Martin Luther King, and I guess he has a really bad reputation with women. Well, do we take down his statues? Do we destroy all of his, you know, documents? I mean, where does it end? But it doesn't change anything. What it does is it puts your head in the sand, so you don't remember what history was about. And we should learn from history. We should treat people differently. We should. You know, we, we should just treat people differently. and, and Well, there, there needs to be some kind of specific. First off, there needs to be a leader. Who's the leader of the other side? There isn't any. I don't know. It's there. just a bunch of mobs. A bunch you know, of going screamers. Crazy. Yeah. So there needs to be leadership, and there needs to be a defined course of action. Right. We are here to get these three or four public policies changed, improved, implemented, something like that. And then you can at least talk. But you can't. You know, like, there's hey, no, there's no conversation. We're mad at human nature. Therefore, we're going to burn down a city. Well, see, that's a, the other thing, too. I mean, we, we keep throwing this word racism around out here. And, and we really do not have institutionalized racism so much in this country anymore. We certainly did up through the 60s and probably early 70s. But we really don't have that. If, if you're talking about individual racist people, I mean, every society, every race, every country has people like that. Um, in this country, if something like that happens to you, there's legal means. Um, you know, you can fry people for doing that stuff, and we do. Um, well, well, Joe, if we do have institutional racism, if, if that exists, then what policy, you know, do we need to change? You know, let's, uh, you know, so when you just make a claim, not, I don't mean you, but when uh, the other side just says, well, institutional racism, what does that mean? Well, like, that's what, what, what public policy do we need to change? So I'm not going to say there is or isn't. I'm going to say, okay, you need to better define what it is that you, you expect to do. Otherwise, you're just having a fit in the streets. Right. You need to start at the home. 
parents need to raise their children with the knowledge of why we have black people, why we have Chinese, why we have Polish, why we have Irish, you know, and we need to educate them that they're no different than you and I. It's just like you and I are different, but our nationality and our heritage should have nothing to nothing to do with it. Well, we're Americans, and that's, and that's it. That's Bottom we're losing, line, we're Americans. But when you have parents telling their kids that these people are bad or these people are bad, well, and then you got to schools, but you still should have the history. You should be able to read about it. You don't bring down Gone with the Wind, for goodness sakes, even though it's back. So I don't know. But it's. I think it needs to start at the home. I think it needs to start with parents educating their children. No different than you and I and, and Joe sponsoring and helping politicians that do the right thing. Because if not, you end up with terrible politicians like what we have now that are old and they're one-sided. And I guarantee you, most of those folks back in D.C., I'll bet they're racist if you can get right down to the nuts and bolts of it because that's what they grew up with. Oh, we got a lot of got a lot of bad young ones too, though. It's not, well, it's not just an well. State. Where did it come from? We, we've got politicians that that just aren't doing what they're but elected it, to do. It came from their upbringing, either through schools or their parents. You know, we need to learn to love one another. You don't have to like everybody, but you need to at least respect them and give them the right to do what it is that they do. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, there's a whole lot more right here on Gun Sports Radio. What am I talking about? Stump my nephew. That was Mr. Schwartz's nephew on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. Yeah! Folks, welcome to Gun Sports Radio, where the story's always better off air than on. <laughs> this is FM 96.1. Don't forget the answer to that. AM 1170, the answer. All right, folks, can you believe it's been two hours already? Oh, my gosh. Hey, California assault weapon laws make it almost impossible to own an AR pattern rifle. What's the solution? Cali Key. Converts any mil-spec direct impingement AR platform rifle into a straight pull-bolt action rifle so it can have... All the features without being considered an assault weapon. It's a true drop-in solution. No milling, no aesthetic modification, and no turning off your gas system. Keep your entire AR collection intact at a price you can afford with Cali Key. Check out Cali Key at CaliKey.com. That's K-A-L-I-K-E-Y.com. Hey, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year. With the comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price, bad guys don't take days off, and neither does U.S. Law Shield. What's your plan after you defend yourself and your family? Consider a plan from U.S. Law Shield. Check them out today at uslawshield.com. That's uslawshield.com. All right, folks. Hey, home mortgage interest rates are dropped, and if you're looking to buy or refi, or if you're considering a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guys that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris Wiley a call at 619-722-1303 or just go to primeres.com backslash alpine. 
All right, now we're going to stump my nephew. That's right. Speaking of a man who is a in a constant fight for his right to party, Sam, <laughs> my nephew, Sam the Gunman, uh, every uh, week we have a really cool segment here called Stump My Nephew. Sam is my nephew. He is, uh, how old are you? What are you, 20? Are you 20 years old? Correct. 20 years old, 21 on August 15th. If you want to come celebrate uh, his birthday with him, you come to Gunprom. Go to gunprom.com. He, he will be there and be celebrating his uh, and 21st where, and where birthday. where is he located? He's out of Virginia, uh, but he's going to come into town special for, for Gunprom, I believe. I don't know. We, we need is, to talk about that. Is he coming? Is that confirmed? Official? Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. All right. Yeah. So uh, write a question, and if we use it, you get a t-shirt. If you stump him, you get a t-shirt and a hat. Ooh. Ah. You notice we wait for that to end. Yeah, we do. From San Diego County Gun Owners, here's your question. Uh, let's see. Lisa from Lakeside. Nice alliteration there. Uh, she wants to know. She actually. So I, I actually have a couple questions here. Um, but her question basically is... Um, Explain the difference between rim fire and center fire. Do you know the difference between rim fire and center fire? What does it refer to, and what's the difference? Absolutely, uh, Lisa from Lakeside. Thanks very much for the question. Um, now, when you look at um, from from a layperson's perspective, it can be difficult to tell the difference between a bullet and a cartridge. I hear people all the time referring to cartridges as bullets, and it really drives me up a wall because I'm pedantic. Um, but, uh, so when you look at a, a piece of loaded ammunition, uh, generally speaking, you have a, a brass or steel case, um, with a primer in the bottom and uh, a bullet sticking out the top and there's gunpowder inside. Um, now with center fire ammunition, which is the most common, you have a, a little button shaped primer in the base of the cartridge right in the middle. And when the firing pin hits that, it detonates the shock-sensitive explosive inside, which ignites the gunpowder, generating high-pressure gas as it burns and pushing the bullet down the barrel. Uh, Rimfire ammunition, uh, like 22 long rifle, 17 HMR, a, a few other cartridges, um, actually has the priming compound contained within the case itself in the rim. Um, it's, distributed, it's distributed evenly around the inside of the rim, the firing pin hits the rim of the case, hence the name rim fire, um, which ignites the gunpowder. That's that's absolutely accurate. Um, fantastic job. Lisa from Lakeside does have a, a couple of follow-up questions, though. Her first one is, define pedantic. Define pedantic. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> all right. No, in all seriousness, excellent job, Sam. That's exactly what we were looking for. But... Um, uh, can, what can you tell us? So typically, a center fire cartridge is, uh, you know, uh, ranges from, you know, pretty powerful to extremely powerful, where rim fire is uh, just not that powerful. You know, it's typically uh, just for 22s. Is there a reason for that that you know of, or did, did it just happen to be a popularity thing? Or why, why, are, why are rim fires not used in high velocity ammunition? Um, it, it really is um, pretty much a, a matter of history. Um, a lot of the early fixed ammunition cartridges 
um, were in fact rimfire, like 4440, um, I think was rimfire. Um, there, there were a lot of early black powder rimfire um, cartridges, but centerfire ammunition is a little bit easier and cheaper to manufacture, especially in larger calibers, um, whereas the rimfire cartridges still in common use are all um, very small caliber, and many of them are based on existing rimfire cartridges. So they uh, they have some commonality with existing firearms and existing tooling. Um, so it's really just a matter of the popularity of centerfire took off, left rimfire in the dust, and really the only the only real rimfire uh, left is is twenty. I know there are other calibers, but really the, by far the most popular rimfire is uh, the the one the thing that's been keeping rimfire alive is is twenty two uh, long. Right? Is that is that? accurate it's it's really just a big popularity just a popularity contest is all it is right uh for the most part yeah if if the cartridges that already exist work just fine there's no reason to change them um though some uh some manufacturers might disagree but uh they're wrong um <laughs> right. so uh yeah 22 long rifle 22 magnum um and 17 hmr are really the most popular rimfire cartridges um and it's just so difficult to displace a cartridge that has already been on the market for a long time and already has that home field advantage of having firearms chambered for it and manufacturing equipment uh, to produce it and manufacturers supporting it. So uh, really, um, uh, when whenever you see a, a manufacturer coming out with a new cartridge, um, it very often flops completely or is relegated to a niche role in the market because that home field advantage is huge. Yeah, it really is. And if you don't get, uh, I, I firmly believe one of the reasons 40 caliber uh, went the, is going the way of the dodo is uh, government contracts. They, uh, you know, when when they started fighting wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and they sent uh, federal uh, agents over to uh, work with uh, military. Um, you know, the federal agents were using 40, but all the ammo over there was nine millimeter, and I think that had a huge impact. So, unless there's a government, unless there's huge government money behind it, I think it's really difficult for a uh, for a cartridge to, to truly take off. But you know, there's a lot of factors, but that that happens to be one of them. But um, I'm I'm one of those. I'm really skeptical of any of any new cartridge. I don't want to be stuck with some you know ridiculous cartridge that you can't get ammo in. But uh, you know, but uh, I'm probably too cautious. There's a lot of really good uh, new cartridges out there. Anyway, Sam, excellent job as always. Fantastic job. Um, appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, parents, remember, talk to your kids about 40 Smith & Wesson before someone else does. That's good advice. Boy, isn't that the truth? Take PSA. care, buddy. Thank you. Good night. All right, folks. Hey, we really want to thank you very much for listening. And remember, uh, if you have a podcast platform, you can put Gun Sports Radio on it and take a listen to our shows. And please support all our great sponsors. If you go into any of these businesses, just tell them how much you enjoy the radio show. The Gun Range San Diego at thegunrangesandiego.com. Firearms Legal Protection at FirearmsLegal.com, San Diego County Gun Owners at SDCGO.org, U.S. Law Shield at USLawShield.com, Cali Key at CaliKey.com, PRMI Mortgage at PRMIERS.com backslash Alpine, uh, the Dillon Law Group at DillonLawGP.com, AO Sword Firearms Store at AOSword.com, and we really want to thank uh, Michael Schwartz, Joe Germisi, 
Sam the Gunman, and our digital master, Brendan Thomas. And again, don't go anywhere. Uh, Mr. Bob Siegel's coming up, and his show will be definitely something you'll want to listen to. Again, go to gunsportsradio.com for podcasts, podcasts and up-to-date information. Folks, be safe, be careful, and join San Diego County Gun Owners. Gun Sports Radio, preserving America as a shining light on a hill through the expansion and preservation of your Second Amendment rights. Learn more about Gun Sports Radio, how to become a guest or sponsor by visiting gunsportsradio.com. Join Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz every week at this same time as they enlighten you by sharing their unique and diverse knowledge of shooting and the outdoors. This has been Gun Sports Radio on The Answer San Diego. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.